1963, President John F. Kennedy signed into law the Equal Pay Act, prohibiting sex-based wage discrimination. Fast forward nearly 60 years, a Me Too movement, and one female vice president later, and women still make only 81 cents for every dollar made by men and occupy only 29% of senior management positions. In the age of doing it all, are we acknowledging the issues currently faced by women in the workplace? What are employers doing, or could they be doing, to make it easier for women to find opportunities for mentorship, advance their careers, raise a family, and discourage workplace bias? In this episode of The Marketing Department, our panel explores the answers to these questions, shares stories of their personal experience, and gives suggestions for real solutions to problems they and others may face. From the bright minds and marketing mavericks at SMPS New York, this is the Marketing Department. We're a team of marketing and business development professionals bringing you everyday conversations from a unique industry. Architecture, Engineering, and Construction, or AEC for short. The Marketing Department is produced through collaboration with SMPS New York, which offers members professional development, leadership opportunities, and marketing resources to enhance their careers. My name is Allie. I'm a Senior Marketing Coordinator for Where Malcolm. Joining me today are Alicia Terry, Marketing Specialist at Gensler, and Liz Archer, Business Development Client Relations Manager at Francis Kaufman Architects, who are going to help us tackle today's topic on matters of equality, equity, and unconscious biases women contend with in the workplace. Alicia and Liz, I really mean it when I say it. Thank you both for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Allie. Glad to be here. I want to start with why are we, why are we talking about this today? Why are we here? And I'm like to say I'm particularly glad to be sharing this conversation with you two because of things I've heard from you guys just very much in passing and just in casual conversations. Um, Liz, you and I actually worked together before, and I know one of the things that I really enjoyed and and also kind of uh, piqued my interest was you talking about other women in our company and in our industry advancing their careers and being recognized and how awesome that was and how important that was. And I remember as you said it, I kind of, I would kind of tilt my head and say it is. Now, why is that so exemplary? And it it's kind of because of what we're talking about, right? That. Yes. Yeah. Women just, <laughs> it's a little, it's less, uh, it's less normal. It is out of the ordinary and it is, it is exemplary. And so that, that I know was one of the reasons that I was particularly excited to have you here today. And then Alicia, you and I had an amazing conversation where I kind of, I just listened to you talk about, um, you know, the research that you've done about women in the workforce and equality and equity. And I, I remember sitting back and thinking, oh my gosh, we've got to record this. We've got to get this information out. People need to hear this. Um, and so I, I definitely think that uh, it's still a topic that we want to bring to the forefront and talk about today. 
So yeah, even in the couple weeks since you and I kind of spoke and I brought up, you know, what I was kind of um, seeing um, in the industry about how a lot of people and especially um, women were being really affected by, you know, COVID-19 and how it's really, you know, made it very difficult for a lot of women to kind of focus on their careers, uh, much more so than for men. And even since we spoke just a couple of weeks ago, I feel like I've been seeing more people who are talking about this. So it definitely seems like it's uh, very, very timely to have this discussion specific to kind of the architecture, engineering and construction industry. Yeah, I think that was definitely a, a catalyst in us having this conversation now is that things we all I think can recognize that equality equity uh, are still topics that need to be discussed but the COVID-19 crisis has just made it that much more apparent it's uh, reinvigorated the issue Um, Liz I think you even from a personal standpoint can can attest to uh, the challenges that women are facing yeah it's funny because you mentioned when we work together I'm sure you must have overheard some pretty uh, dramatic conversations with me on the phone with my kids, you know, trying to like deal with home emergencies from the office and sort of that panicked, uh, stressed out, anxiety driven experience of, of a working mom and at times a single working mom. So, um, so there was that. <clears throat> and in addition to seeing women promoted and it's a happy story I and, and celebrated. Um, I've seen also women struggle and leave companies because they were um, being subjected to a wage gap. Um, and when they spoke up about it, when they weren't being promoted, um, that kind of thing, they, they left the company they were working for. So I've seen um, companies suffer from their own sexism, sexist, you know, practices, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Um, I've seen both sides of the coin and it's all, all of it is very much alive right now. Yeah, so you're saying, and for what it's worth, I do remember hearing conversations of, of home life and trying to manage that and it never sounded stressed. I I did imagine being in the situation where we've got an RFP deadline and then also kids need to do their homework at home and thinking, how is Liz managing that? Like, I, I don't know how she does it. I will say that, <laughs> but you never sounded stressed. You handled it very professionally and I, I never figured out how you did it. But um, yeah, you're laughing, but it's true. Um, so, I, I mean, today I know you've you've been in the industry for a while and so you've had time to see things evolve and change, would you say that things in the last year, you've seen any particular change in women specifically in the workforce? Um, uh, I I would say me personally, I I haven't really seen it. I've I've heard like I belong on a Facebook page with a bunch of moms from my town. And when COVID hit, 
the that sometimes the comments were hilarious, but they were also coming from a p- place of pain. You know, they were they were trying to deal with, you know, working from home, virtual overseeing virtual learning, managing their homes, all of and, you know, helping their elderly parents and stuff like that. And you'd hear them posting like I'm hiding in the hallway. I'm hiding from my children and drinking limoncello and eating Oreos, you know, and we'd all be chuckling along and empathize. Oh my gosh. So, you know, there was that, but, you know, a lot of, um, you know, we're lucky, you know, we, we live in Northern New Jersey. It's fairly affluent in some parts. And this town has a lot of, you know, highly educated women and they have good jobs and they're able to work flex and work from home. And so they're sometimes able to make it work, but it it hasn't been easy. And I just reached out to that same group this morning. I told them I'd be on this podcast. And one woman sent me an article saying that the the um, of the furloughs that happened due to COVID, women were the majority over men. So men, women are being furloughed mm. off more than men which surprised me because I think the opposite happened in um, the big downturn in 2008, 2009. Um, So, and I'm hearing that some women are, you know, leaving their careers and that kind of thing. So they're just too maxed out on all of the, the cylinders that they have to keep firing all the time. There's too many too many juggling balls in the air and um, it's, it's taking a toll. That's interesting that you you I'm glad that you uh, reached out and got that feedback today. It's perfect timing, uh, and I think that's interesting that there's that difference between the last uh, sort of crisis we went through and now this one. Alicia, what about you? What are you kind of seeing between today and what has happened in the last generation? So. Prior to um, COVID-19, you know, there were definitely some gains in in the past decade as far as um, the pay gap between men and women. But it's still, you know, 81 cents on every dollar. um, The uncontrolled pay gap is a pretty big gap. Um, There are other statistics out there like the controlled pay gap which will tell you that taking into account job title and qualifications, women are actually paid 98 cents on every dollar. But unfortunately, that doesn't take into account a lot of factors um, like gender bias, societal expectations, um, and it doesn't take into account race um, and the fact that statistically women of color face a much larger disparity. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I know, Liz, this is another thing I've I've just, again, in casual passing, just in, in sort of conversations that have happened just naturally throughout knowing you. Um, I know you have had some specific experiences being a woman of color in the workforce. And I think I remember our discussion last time even being told that you should being told for, by other people how you should identify your ethnicity. <laughs> I remember I was shocked that you told me that you were saying that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what you are feeling and seeing just from a, a, a race side for women of color? 
Well, I think uh, I think overall, I think we're seeing uh, a progression, an opening. I think we're seeing some progress. I think companies in general uh, want to do the right thing. And like, for example, I belong uh, uh, to an uh, equity, diversity and inclusion committee that was just recently started at my firm. And they didn't have that before. And not only that, but you would think an EDI committee would be all embracing and stuff, but they committed to focusing on issues around the black employees at the firm. And the, the members on the on the committee are the HR, a principal, and then the rest of us are all black employees. So I thought that showed a um, a real commitment to really wanting to 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 make things different, to improve things. But yes, you're right. I've had I've I the the thing is is that we all have these unconscious biases and you know, I remember someone saying, "Oh, I didn't know you're black. You know, you're you're so light, you know, oh, you're 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 very light as if it was like um like a saving grace or something like that. So, um at the same token, I do want to mention that um uh, oppressed peoples often internalize the the negativity they're subjected to. So sometimes they turn around and spew back uh, their own unconscious bias against their own people. So I've experienced that as well from from the black community. Um, so it's 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 a mixture all over the place. Um, you know, Asian Americans are now experiencing undue racism increasingly. We're thinking maybe because of recent politics. Um, but, um, you know, the, these are things that uh, women of color experience at work. Um, we're all, especially in higher management roles, we're often the only um, Black women in the, or Latina women or Asian women in a boardroom at a given time. And so there's this, and then we suffer imposter syndrome. We're like, do I really deserve to be here? You know, that kind of thing. So there's, there's all kinds of things going on. I think it's interesting you bring up um, the unconscious bias that people are kind of imposing, maybe isn't the right word, but putting on each other you know, we we kind of talked about this uh, when we discussed before, but what are the ways you think that unconscious bias is being perpetuated both by women, women of color, men, as a result of what kind of norms we have? Alicia, I know you had some specific thoughts on this. There's so many different ways that unconscious bias is perpetuated in our society. Um, Liz kind of just talked about one that it's like, you know, often the victims of systemic oppression become the oppressors. Um, in the case of uh, women in the workplace, you know, it's not only men who are biased against women. Um, often, you know, there's a lot of women that have a perceived picture of how other women should be um, acting in the workplace. Um, there was a study done, um, and I read about this. I think I mentioned to you, you know, I think that Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, um, while it has its 
certain issues, it has a lot of really great examples. And one of them is she cites um, a blind study done called the Heidi Herald study. Um, and basically two different groups were given a narrative about a career person. And it was the story of their career. Um, one group was given a person called Heidi and another group was given a person called Harold. The story was the exact same except for the name um, and the control group um, with the gentleman said, oh, he seems like a great guy, very ambitious, very driven. Yes, I'd like to work with him. Um, whereas the control group who received the Heidi story said that she was honestly, uh, didn't seem like that nice of a person and, and they wouldn't actually wanna work with her. Um, and, you know, it just was given a completely different impression, um, you know, just kind of showing that this is kind of like a societal expectation that really affects how we view uh, men and women in the workplace differently. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's funny, I just thought of kind of a, a personal anecdote about this. My name is, or how I spell my name is A-L-I, like could be pronounced Ali. And my last name is actually Indian, it's Punditrao. And so I, I wonder when people get emails from me and don't know me or have never met me before, they think, oh, Ali Punditrao, that's, you know, a nice maybe Middle Eastern man. <laughs> and it's not it's not at all <laughs> I, every so often I think about that and uh, you know I have yet gotten emails back saying oh yes thank you Mr. Punditrao for you know your comments or whatever so I I would love to run an experiment to see if I changed my name uh, in my email if I would notice a significant difference in how people interact with me uh, virtually but I think go ahead I would love to see that too. You know? <laughs> yeah, dying to know. We'll uh, we'll add it to the uh, SMPS um, research program. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're still living it, and we, you know, I I think all of us are guilty of it. Um, we all do it in some fashion, like when we're looking at resumes and we see the names and where they live and stuff like that. And that's why EDI committees, you know, across industries are are putting together programs, especially like for internship internship programs. They'll put together a diverse panel um, hiring panel and they'll block out the address and the names of the candidates and anything that would indicate their gender or their race. Um, I think there's an architecture firm. I think they did something like this and they got such a great diverse internship group as a result of blocking out those things and providing like a diverse group because, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to let their biases get in the way. And it, it they had a really nice diverse group of interns, racially and gender diverse group of interns for the, for the summer. So, I mean, there are things that we can do because we are still subject to these unconscious biases. As much as the training that HR is trying to do with us all and everything, we are still subject to it. And we need to take concrete steps like that one by that architecture firm um, to to combat it. 
So this this kind of this is a nice segue into another conversation I want to have sort of we've talked about what's going on, but let's talk about what can be happening instead. And the question is, whose responsibility is it to make changes? And something I know I'm interested in hearing about from you guys is specifically, should women in leadership roles feel pressured to mentor junior female colleagues? Felicia, I, I, uh, I know you're going to respond, but I just want to um, I just want to jump in here. I just have to say these things. One, absolutely. Women need to mentor each other. Women of color need to mentor each other. We need to pay it forward. Each one teach one. Anything we can do to uh, support each other and lift each other up. Second, I think companies need to get more socialistic. I said it, I don't care, but I think they need to do more to help women with more programs because this is what's happening. Like I mentioned earlier, we're burning the candle at both ends and this is not sustainable for women and our physical and our mental health to be the caretake, primary caretakers of our children and our elderly while maintaining our homes, while being powerhouses at work. We, we can't do it all by ourselves. So we need help. And there, these, these, the, the thing is, is I just read an article about the top 10 companies in the US uh, that, the, 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 that provide the most support to women. And the bulk of their programs, the core things that they were celebrated for was their extended leave times and their work flexibility. That's great. But guess what? That's just the beginning. After we've gotten the kid to sleep through the night and we've hired our nannies and everything like that, the whole childhood cycle is crazy. And we need help. Uh, we need help. We need services. We need, you know, some someone to deliver groceries to our house. We need cleaning services. We need dry cleaning services in the office, maybe a daycare in the office, but we need additional services. There's a lot of people who say, I can handle it, I can muddle through it, because maybe they have a mom who lives next door or a sister who lives in town who can help them and stuff like that. But there are a lot of people out there who don't have those resources and they are by themselves and managing all this stuff. And like I said, it's unsustainable. And I think the best employers are going to be the ones who step in and offer serious services and additional compensation as a society also additional compensations to not just mothers who are working in an office but mothers who are working in their homes raising children and community building in their towns the fundraisers the ones who are leading sports teams and stuff like that women in general need to be compensated and supported in an entirely higher level than what we're what than what's happening now. And that's I'll yeah. get off the soapbox. <laughs> that was a beautiful Ooh. soapbox. I, I envisioned a, a flag behind you with the word revolutionary. I I'm <laughs> bullhorns blasting. It was fantastic. But I, I, I mean there's the point is there's so many opportunities to be supportive to your team, to your teammates, to your employees that would allow them to be better employees. 
I mean, of course, helping them personally uh, and just as, you know, as parents, mothers, but also, <laughs> you know, if if you're stressed out at home, how can you really be that, uh, be as productive as you, you could be at work? So I, uh, your point is, I think that there's a lot more that can be done. Um, there's there's opportunities there now, but there's more more to come. And Alicia, I think you had a point about um, even leanin.org, different courses that they have, just other ways to right. make changes. So, you know, obviously, I 100% agree with everything Liz said. Um, you know, points well taken for sure. Um, and, you know, obviously the point that also needs to be reinforced is it's not only in women's best interest to have more diverse workplaces, but employers, you know, it's definitely been been proven time and time again that the more diverse your workforce is, usually the more successful you are as a company um, because you have lots of different points of view and you're not kind of blinded to potential opportunities out there. Um, I think in addition to workplaces, being placed, being um, support mechanisms, I think, you know, organizations like SMPS also have a responsibility. Um, you know, obviously they're, um, you know, uh, involved with this podcast um, indirectly. But, you know, I think one of the uh, good things they do offer is a mentorship program, which, you know, more through coincidence and circumstance than through design is really driven by women. Um, I mean, I think it, it goes without saying a lot of marketing professionals out there uh, in the AEC industry are women and probably all marketing professionals in, in general. So you're just going to get a lot more um, female mentors. And that's a great program if anyone's ever um, interested. They do that annually. Um, but I honestly, I think, you know, organizations like SMPS can be doing more. There are other great organizations out there specifically for women. Um, PWC, which I'm not sure if you're involved in that, Liz. Um, I've gone to their events for years. Yeah, it's great to have resources like that in the industry. And there should be more uh, organizations like it. Um, and then, you know, in each um, individual workplace, I mean, Yes, there are really, really good um, resources for organizations, but part of um, that is, you know, someone has to start it. And I kind of feel like I'm always stumped by the question of like, how do we talk about this in the workplace? You know, hopefully your company at least has an HR department, but you know, they don't always, aren't always focusing on this specific issue. Um, so how do we kind of bring up to leadership like, you know, hey, this is an issue without kind of uh, feeling like we're exposing ourselves or putting ourselves out there too much. Yeah, that's that's a really great question because everything we've talked about is is all fantastic. But if you don't feel like you can bring that to your company, then what's the point? <laughs> so, I mean, going back to what you said, having an organization like PWC, which is Professional Women in Construction, or SMPS, where you, you can connect with other people and see what other companies are doing. And 
you know, the mentorship program is a great opportunity to talk to other people that have gone through the same thing and can give you advice on how to make it happen. I think that's that's very critical. Um, an age-old adage to make sure that you're sounding, uh, when you're talking about this, don't, you're not whining about it. You're trying to improve your workforce, improve your company, right? Right. Yes. Well, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up. This has been a great conversation. I I wish we had more time because there's so much more that can be said. Yeah. I <laughs> we could go on for days, but I just want to thank you both again. I I it was critical that we have this conversation with YouTube just because of like I've said, just our casual conversations in passing and uh, just the obvious passion that you both have about this topic. I I really wanted to capture it and make sure we brought it to uh, brought it to the world. If you have any feedback, questions, ideas, a great story, or just want to get involved or be part of an episode, email us at themarketingdepartmentpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to like, review, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Department.